This is Mana for Your Soul podcast, a podcast of the lead pastor of Tucker United Methodist Church in New Jersey, Reverend Jason Rios. We hope that today's words bless your life. So may the meditations of my heart and the words out of my mouth be acceptable to you, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. And may these words be blessed by the Holy Spirit and find fruitful ground in your heart and produce fruit. Amen. Questions to God. That is the title of the worship series we are going to be working on during this Lenten season. And I'm sure we all in one moment of our lives had questions for God. From the little seemingly insignificant things to the weird questions to very tough questions. Our questions come from wonder, from high points in life, and they also come from tough or extremely difficult situations. In our search for who God is, we will question. And through our faith journey, as we grow in faith, we will question. We will ask, we will wonder about things we may even in our search demand an answer. Because asking questions is a normal part of human life. We do not have to be ashamed of our doubts or hide our questions before God because God fully welcomes them and welcomes us. So this Lent, we will practice bringing some of our biggest questions and doubts to God. Now, during this Lenten series, you will see that there is not a correct answer. Now, my answer to these questions might be different from yours, and that is okay. We are just embracing our humanity in reflecting, in questioning, in doing theology. Well, somebody calls it as God talk, right? So it would be impossible for any human being to talk about God and get every detail right or to be able to answer every question. No one has all the answers, not even me as your pastor. So sometimes simply asking the question allows us to better understand how to live a faithful life in a world full of doubts and questions. So today's question is, who is God? Who is God? For many years, there have been many answers to these questions, and we have used metaphors or portrayals to answer who God is. Some might say that he is a wise Huge old man with long white hair and white beard and shiny robes sitting in a golden throne in the heavens. Some imagine God as a judge waiting to sentence who has been good or bad. Others see God as a compassionate, caring, loving mother. For others, God is black. Like late black theologian James Cone spoke of his experiences of black faith and black culture as fundamentally related to the concepts and ideas he developed in his theological work. 
a theology dedicated to social justice and liberation. You see, depending on your culture, your views of life, your experiences, you will answer this question. So who is God for you? As I grew up, I had many portrayals about God. Growing up, I saw him as this big, wise, powerful being from the heavens. And there were times, even in preachings, that they thought, told me, and we did uh, uh, theater skits and everything of uh, God who's waiting to be the judge to sentence, to sentence all sinners in judgment day. But as I continue to learn in faith, especially Methodist doctrine, I learned that God is triune. Three persons in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God, who is one, is revealed in three distinct persons. So this is one way of speaking about the several ways we experience God. Some might say that God is everlasting and infinite in power, wisdom, justice, goodness, and love. You see, because we cannot speak literally about God, we tend to use metaphors. God is a shepherd. God is a bridegroom. God is love. God is light. God is truth. My son loves his bedtime stories. And one that we share is a book written by late author Rachel Hell Evans. And the book is titled, What is God Like? It is a beautiful book. She uses metaphors and images to invite the reader to see God and what is God like. It mentions God is like the wind, like the gardener, like a flame, like a mother, like a father, like an artist, like a fort. And with images and, and Pictures and imaginations, it invites young hearts to think about what makes them safe, what makes them feel love, and what makes them feel brave. Because that is what God is like. So who is God? Who is God for you? You know, it is normal and natural to have periods of questioning or doubt about who God is or if God even exists. Over the millennia, people have attempted to answer these questions in many ways across cultures, places, and disciplines. If there was one clear answer, we would probably all believe the same thing. And we would no longer need the kind of faith that belief requires. But since we are still trying to answer that question. We see in today's passage an offering, a helpful way to think about God's existence and character, about the nature of God. The passage names the obvious. No one has ever seen God, the beginning of verse 12. Yet it makes a connection between knowing and experiencing love 
and knowing God. It goes so far as to say that God is love. And therefore, the fact that we love means we are born of God and know God. But how do we know love is of God and not just a human emotion? How does our experience of love connect us to a transcendent divine source of love? You see, in verse 9 and 10, the passage points to the existence and life of Jesus as the way that God's love is revealed, as the way God's love is made known. And of course, it is possible to love without believing in Jesus or even hearing the message that Jesus is God's son. But with Jesus, something completely new and transformative happened. The creation of a new way of being human and a new community characterized by love. Something much deeper than an emotion. The writer of the first letter of John links their experience of love to their experience of Jesus as God's son and savior of the world. Biblical scholar Luke Timothy Johnson discusses that after Jesus' death on the cross, something happened. It is historical fact that a new community of people started to live differently and claim to experience release from repressive power, systems of law, lack of fear of death, freedom and peace and we see that in the book of acts chapter 4 so in short they were a community born of love and characterized by love and the community itself that early church that community described that something that happened as the resurrection of jesus God's son from the death was an important part of their life. What changed their lives was Jesus and his resurrection. So this new community and a new way of being human points to the reality and character of a loving God as revealed in Jesus. That community and way of being human continues to this day through the life of the church. The church's continued existence and our participation in it, most especially our loving and being loved, are evidence of God's existence. God, who was revealed in Jesus, is now present with us by the Spirit to continue this transformation in and by love. Now, this does not mean that the church always gets it right. There are lots of people who like Jesus, but do not like the church because they have been hurt by people in the church. They have experienced the hypocrisy of people who claim to be Christian. They have a sense that if there is a God, God probably looks more like the love 
Jesus stood for than what they see happening in churches at times. I love a quote from Mahatma Gandhi that says, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Ouch. Puerto Rico, we say, ouch, hallelujah. People want to know who God is. And the only way they're going to experience who God is, is through me and you. Through the way we love each other. Through the way we are the church in the world. But people are getting so different messages of who God is today. That they might say, oh, I know who Jesus is and I know who God is. I just don't like Christians. Because as people who claim to be followers of Jesus, we have a responsibility to be the evidence of God's existence for others by loving them. We are to be as Jesus is in this world. We are to be his witnesses of his love. Think about it. If Jesus were alive today, if Jesus would come on this time, where would Jesus be today? Jason Moore, uh, he works uh, with online ministry. He was posting about... Uh, activity he was yesterday and this pastor mentioned that Jesus most of the time was being with the poor and teaching others answering questions at least the least thing that Jesus did was being in a synagogue or six percent was time of prayer which was like yeah wow most of his time he just prayed in the morning then he went to work and work was being with the people You see, as we are shaped and perfected by the love that we receive from God in Jesus, the passage describes what the community should look like. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear. If there is love, there is no fear. How many people still fear God today because of what we have portrayed of who God is. How many people still today fear God because all they have experienced about this God is judgment, is pointing fingers, is not love, it's just being an outcast and a marginalized person. So think of the times you experienced love and how that made you feel connected to God. Think of the times that you have experienced 
love, and that made you feel connected to God? And how might you share and show that love to others? You see, we see God's love in concrete actions. First, in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then in community. By sharing life with people, by sharing love with people, in deeds of loving kindness, we are able to share with others in Christ's name. Scripture says we love him because the Scripture says God first loved us. So we love him because he first loved us. If we're faithful, our love is seen in countless ways. So what are the concrete things that you can do? No, build relationship with your neighbors, with people around you. Volunteer and serve in community programs and mission programs. Visit the homebound. Visit the sick. Pray with those who are going through a difficult time. Take time to play with a child. Listen to a young person. Take a plate of cookies to your neighbors on the block. There are many concrete actions we can do to share who God is in this world. At the end of the day, like 1 John 4 says, God is love. There is so much in this world that can make us feel jaded or depressed or cynical or angry. So what does it look like instead to abide in love? To choose love as your dwelling place and home. Because God is the source of all love. And the miracle is the more you give away, the more God gives you in return. So who is God? No, it is okay to have question about who God is and if God even exists. Because God is big enough to handle our doubts and questions. God's abiding love brings blessed assurance. God's love is a love that will never let you go. So what would it look like if we let our wandering drive us into deeper experience and expressions of love and look for God there. This world needs to know that God is love. You know, we can't miss the struggle and brokenness of this world. We can't miss the injustice the suffering, the pain of people. And even though we know that love will overcome, and even though we know that love will win in the end, sometimes we despair. Sometimes we feel afraid. But when everything seems broken, when it seems impossible for love to win in the end, love will triumph. So even though it is a broken world, God, God calls us to carry the love, his love, 
to carry that love with us everywhere we go. And even though we are imperfect at sharing God's love, as people made in God's image, we participate in the love of God by loving others. We love because he first loved us. So who is God? Maybe one answer today can be God is love. And each time we give, each time we receive or witness love, we see a glimpse of who God is. Amen? Amen.